extremely adversarial to the intelligence. Edwards doesn't speak. It was speak. not their friend, it was not their defender, it was not their chief. Uh, those held for about two or three decades. Uh, but then we got the September 11th attacks, and this intelligence community complex, right, all the spy agencies uh, that had felt very sore uh, for these 20 years, uh, 20 plus years, had created a secret wish list of all of the changes to law that they would have wanted if they could have passed them, but they knew that they never would have passed with popular support in the United States. Uh, because they violated the Fourth Amendment uh, of our Constitution, which is the prohibition uh, against not just the unreasonable uh, searching of your home, your electronic communications, where people are listening to your phone calls, where they're uh, breaking into your house, placing cameras, but the seizing uh, of your personal things or your communications in the first place. You couldn't just pull things off the line without a warrant from a court. Uh, well, this was sort of a secret plan that was sitting with the Department of Justice, had been negotiated with the intelligence agencies. When September 11th happened, it came off the shelf. They called it the Patriot Act. And in that moment of national crisis where everybody uh, was, had been terrorized quite successfully uh, by an extraordinary attack, and in this moment of vulnerability, these agencies exploited that moment of national trauma to pass this. There was almost no dissent. Uh, there was, I think, a single uh, dissenting vote in the House uh, from an extraordinarily brave woman. But these things swept into power overnight. But there were individuals who were working in these agencies who saw this happening from the other side. And although the government publicly at the time was saying, look, this isn't going to affect Americans, it's not going to affect your rights, it's not going to affect our allies, this is only about al-Qaeda. This is only about terrorists. This is only about bad people, faraway people, the enemy. Uh, don't worry about it. There's nothing to fear. Individuals like uh, Thomas Drake, Bill Binney, uh, Kirk Wiebe, Ed Loomis, uh, these individuals were sitting at the NSA and they went, well, if this is the case, why are we ordering huge amounts of electronic equipment and putting them inside the United States at telecommunications providers that aren't monitoring foreign communications, they're monitoring wholly domestic communications. And they went through proper channels. Uh, they went to uh, the uh, NSA's inspector general. This is sort of an internal watchdog, right? Uh, it's supposed to be a relic of this 1978 era reform uh, of the church committee that says, look, when there's problems in classified areas, you go to this watchdog in the government, you tell them what's going on, and they'll fix it. They'll investigate. They'll find, are these activities unlawful? Are they unconstitutional? Are they contrary to the values of the nation? Uh, are they waste, fraud, or abuse of the government's authorities? Uh, and when they did this, when they went internally, this one individual, particularly Thomas Drake, is the one the government came after the hardest, uh, the NSA's number two lawyer, they've got about 100 lawyers, uh, this guy was the number two. Uh, Benefits of Consul Wands. Now we'd like to share... Uh, this guy was the number two. Uh, he talked to Thomas Drake personally. Thomas Drake said, look, I understand the mission. I understand we're in a moment of national crisis. But what you're doing is a violation of the Constitution, a fact which, by the way, uh, was not affirmed by the courts in a meaningful way, until more than 10 years later, uh, past 2013, 
but the program was eventually amended because of the kind of things that he brought forward. Uh, in 2006, there were some amendments to the program as well. But the NSA's internal process, this watchdog that was supposed to be protecting the Constitution, that was supposed to be waiting for men like Thomas Drake to stand up and say, whoa, somebody's breaking the rules here. He responded like this. If he came to me, someone who was not read into the program and told me that we were running amok, essentially, and violating the Constitution, there's no doubt in my mind I would have told him, you know, Go talk to your management. Don't bother me with this. I mean, you know, you, you did the, the minute he said, if, if he did say, you're using this to violate the Constitution, I, I mean, I probably would have stopped the conversation at that point, quite frankly. So, I mean, if that's what he said he said, then anything after that I probably wasn't listening to anyway. This new wave of whistleblowers, uh, the Thomas Drakes, the Bill Binneys, the Kirk Weebies, the Ed Loomises, uh, even the John Kiriakus, uh, the Chelsea Mannings, um, if it had not been for them and their examples, I might have replicated their mistakes. Uh, Thomas Drake, for going through these proper channels, uh, was hounded by the U.S. government. He was charged under the Espionage Act, the same laws they accused me of violating. This is a law that does not provide a fair trial. Uh, you are literally prohibited by law uh, from presenting your defense to the jury. You can't tell them why you did what you did and have them decide uh, if that was uh, basically a, a relevant enough threat to the uh, operation of the system that your acts made sense. Uh, the same way that in the United States, even a murderer uh, can say, look, this person was threatening my life, and the jury can consider maybe this was self-defense, is denied to whistleblowers in the United States who reveal information to journalists. Under U.S. law, it doesn't matter. These men did it anyway. They did everything right. They even went to Congress. Uh, going to journalists was an act of last resort. And for that, the U.S. government destroyed their lives. Uh, none of them uh, continued in their career. Many of their pensions were threatened. Thomas Drake uh, was charged with multiple felonies. Bill Binney was pulled out of the shower at gunpoint. Uh, Chelsea Manning is currently serving 35 years in prison in the United States. Uh, and I say, if it had not been for these individuals, uh, what I did, my own actions, and the public benefits that have derived from them would not have been possible. We know... We know from the leaks that the NSA has a global surveillance program and is collecting massive amounts of private data. But I would like to touch on details that specifically relate to Germany. Can you talk about these leaks and how do they affect the public here? Hi, my name is Kong, and I have helped many ordinary people turn their hobbies into a career on... Can you talk about these leaks and how do they affect the public here? Yeah, so I, I won't get into uh, specific programs that haven't been described by journalists before because uh, I make sure the people who are doing the documents get a chance to check my biases. If I'm sort of speaking from the hip, uh, there's a chance that I say something wrong, I make the wrong political calculus, uh, and even though there's no guarantee of harm or even likelihood of harm, uh, 
I have tried to act in absolutely the most responsible way, an overly responsible way, uh, to establish that the government will respond the same, the government will retaliate the same, regardless of how careful the whistleblower is. Uh, whether an individual in the United States goes to uh, WikiLeaks or they publish these things directly unredacted on the Internet themselves, uh, or whether they work as I did, uh, where you have a system of checks and balances where journalists have the material, they make the publication decisions, not myself. Uh, and then they even give the government a chance in advance of publication to review the stories and go, hey, maybe you guys don't understand the details here. Maybe you don't see the big picture here. Maybe there's one little sentence here uh, that you don't quite get will put a human life at risk here. And because of this, we'd like to share this evidence with you that that is in fact the case and for you to consider whether or not you want to modify your story as a result. And that has been followed in every case uh, in the reporting that has uh, arisen from me. Uh, but despite that, the U.S. government makes no distinction whatsoever. Uh, and I think this is an important thing uh, to establish because it means the government's not actually concerned with harm mitigation. They're not actually concerned uh, with saving lives, with protecting programs, uh, or ensuring that human sources or uh, the efficacy uh, of our security apparatus uh, continues unimpeded. What they're looking for are easy arguments, things that sound persuasive uh, at first glance, like saying, oh, this is going to endanger sources and methods. Oh, these journalists uh, have blood on their hands. But when you look at cases, for example, the case of Chelsea Manning, again, she went to trial. The U.S. government was able to present their best evidence. Uh, they had control. It was a military court. They could hold uh, secret uh, proceedings for sections if they wanted to present classified information. Uh, and despite all of this, the government was asked by the judge to present evidence of any harm that came as a result. And again, remember, in the case of Chelsea Manning, these were things that were presented on WikiLeaks. Uh, they eventually made their way to the public in completely unredacted form. Uh, and this, these were classified documents, I think roughly three quarters of a million, both military records and diplomatic records. And in court, in front of the judge, the U.S. government said, we can't demonstrate that anyone has been hurt, that anyone has died, and we aren't even going to try. Because from our perspective, it doesn't matter. Now, if this is the case, and I, I know we've run a little bit long here, but I, I, this is a central point that I think a lot of people don't uh, quite get because the much of the media uh, is afraid to confront this point because they're, they're afraid they'll lose access to government officials, to anonymous sources, to senior White House officials, senior administration officials in whatever country they're in, their equivalent, uh, if they don't simply repeat it. If they don't just say, well, these officials said this and treat it as if it's reliable rather than challenging the claim. But what's actually happening here? Why is this happening? If they're not interested in saving lives, if they're not interested in pr protecting these things, and if Chelsea Manning was going to trial in 2013, four years after the documents were revealed in 2009, and in four years, the government couldn't show that anyone had been hurt, maybe... It's just about changing the subject. Maybe the government would rather talk about the theoretical risks of journalism when you're in an open society with a free press where mistakes could possibly be made. Someone could possibly be hurt, although it's never happened. Not in national security reporting, not in the way we've seen. We have no public evidence, not in my case, not in Manning's case, not in any other case that we can think of, not Ellsberg, not Binney, not Drake. Uh, if this is the case, 
they don't want to talk about the theory, or they do want to talk about the theoretical risks of journalism. Hi, do you want to learn how to draw amazing art? Would you like to learn how to draw straight out of your head and start wowing everyone around you? Then this is your course on drawing, from beginner to advanced. Drawing is the most sought after skill when it comes to any artistic job, and the skill can be yours with this want to talk about the theory or they do want to talk about the theoretical risks of journalism instead of the concrete harms of their policies of their programs of the decisions the way this is affecting everyone in the united states and around the world they don't want to have a conversation about what's been done they want to have a conversation about what might happen if you don't trust them what might happen if journalists investigate them in the absolute worst case and I say, ladies and gentlemen, the absolute worst case that could happen is that we don't ask those questions, is that we do simply trust the government because we have evidence that when we do that, things go wrong. You asked generally about what kind of programs were happening, uh, not just in Germany, but around the world. This is the one that everyone's familiar with, the PRISM timeline. PRISM uh, is a particular collection program under a specific authority in the United States. This is a little bit legalistic. Uh, but it's called Section 702 of the FISA Amendments Act. Uh, this was passed in 2008 as a revision of the Protect America Act of 2007. Uh, and this was when the uh, U.S. Internet service providers, the one that everybody relies on around the world, uh, started going beyond what the law required to cooperate with the government and give them access to people's data without warrants. Now, the U.S. government will go, no, no, this isn't true, this isn't true. And in a very narrow sense, they have an argument about American citizens. If you're a U.S. citizen, they have to get a warrant before they can force these providers to give this information to them. The providers can still voluntarily give it to them. Uh, and this is, in fact, a business model for places like AT&T. Uh, AT&T will give your information to the government. AT&T is one of the largest telecommunications providers in the United States. They'll give this information to the government as long as they pay for it. Even without a warrant, they'll use lower standards uh, of requests like subpoenas. But it's not just PRISM. Uh, there's also what's called the Upstream Collection Program. Now, this happens uh, both under that same authority, uh, Section 702 of the FISA Amendments Act, that's the FAA 702 at the top. This is the transatlantic Internet cables uh, and the ones that are happening under the ground. Uh, this was happening not only in the United States at every uh, sort of bound border exchange point, uh, every major Internet exchange point in the United States, uh, but happening in Germany uh, through the BND. They have their own code names for it, and they were kind of trading communications with the NSA uh, of German communications as if they were baseball cards. Uh, we saw programs that were uh, being used to analyze these, right, which were not what you would expect. This wasn't about thwarting plots from Osama bin Laden, uh, but rather the NSA's own documents. This is a top-secret classified report that's being reported on here. They were using this information, everything that's pulled from these Internet service providers, everything that's pulled from these communications of these trans of the world, uh, to spy on things like the pornography viewing habits of people that they considered to be radicalizers. Uh, now, these were individuals that their own documents said were not terrorists, they were not known to be associated with violence. They were not promoting violence, but they considered uh, they were considered to be people who had persuasive arguments 
about why a more radical uh, version of Islam would be more attractive. Uh, and so they wanted to stop it by going, this is a conservative religion. Maybe we can leak this and discredit these. You might think that's appropriate, but you know, this is, these are the kind of questions that we should answer publicly, politically, rather than have a few officials behind closed doors do it. The GCHQ, the British NSA, uh, was intercepting webcam images from people uh, around the world. Anybody who was using Yahoo Messenger back in the day, uh, I believe it was every five minutes, it was snapping a picture uh, from the webcam, uh, or it was intercepting a picture from the web stream every five minutes, uh, and saving those largely permanently, uh, very uh, long periods of time. Uh, they, the British government knew it had sexually explicit images in it. They knew uh, a lot of their employees had looked at them. They kept it going anyway. Uh, it was happening in Australia. Uh, this is recently, actually post-2013, where new metadata uh, bulk collection laws, right? This is a, the government's preferred way of describing mass surveillance, which is this indiscriminate targeting uh, of surveillance where you collect everyone's communications, whether they're a terrorist, whether it's you, whether it's the person sitting next to you, whether it's your mother, uh, whether it's the person you walk by on the street, everybody's communications are collected. Uh, these kind of laws are sweeping the world. Uh, it's legal in the United States. It's legal in Canada. It's legal in Australia. I believe Germany is actually beginning to embrace this as well under laws that they say are reform laws, but are actually making things worse. Uh, but when they have access to these laws, what are they using them for? Well, in Australia, the Australian Federal Police used it to try and identify uh, the source of a journalist uh, whose reporting they didn't like very much. Uh, we saw in the uh, U.S.-Australian uh, exchange, they were trading information about the communications of American law firms, which, by the way, the U.S. Uh, NSA is prohibited from spying on without a warrant. But the Australians did it for us and then passed the information to us, so that was all okay even though that's supposed to technically be a violation of law. Uh, and what were these lawyers doing, right? They weren't negotiating arms. Do you want to know why Matt is so excited about this? We'll do anything to have commercials to keep you from being focused on what's going on. Stay focused. What lawyers doing, right? They weren't negotiating arms deals. Uh, this wasn't about transnational terrorism. They were representing uh, the trade partners of Australia, I believe it was Indonesia, uh, a trade deal about the price of shrimp and clove cigarettes. Uh, we saw the British were hacking the Belgian telecommunications provider, even though they had legal ways to get at that information simply by asking the Belgians for support. Uh, but all of these things get back to something quite simple here, uh, which is the idea the governments don't like to ask permission. Governments don't like to follow procedures. Governments don't like to be bound by the same laws that you and I are. When they draft these laws, they create exceptions. When there aren't enough exceptions, they make their own. And as long as they have this shield of the state secrets privilege, this sort of shade of secrecy that they can uh, cover their actions with, by the time we the people, by the time journalists, by the time the public learns about them, the officials who are most responsible for these violations of our rights are often out of office. And this is why the only reason this continues, sorry, the only reason this kind of uh, paradigm can continue is because we don't punish officials who do this, even in the most egregious cases. Yes, uh, Barack Obama uh, authorized the warrantless wiretapping of everyone in the world in the United States. Uh, Americans, he collected their communications unconstitutionally, seized them, 
uh, which is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. The courts ruled that his programs of mass surveillance uh, related to telephony metadata uh, had not only been unlawful from the time they were authorized more than 10 years before, uh, but were likely unconstitutional, and they described them as Orwellian in their scope. Uh, but that's surveillance, right? You might go, all right, as terrible as that is, he's just spying on everyone. In the Bush White House, he literally tortured people, right? Uh, he committed clear war crimes. Uh, Obama, to his credit, did end the torture program uh, in its most direct incarnation. Uh, he's continued the drone program. He's expanded the surveillance program. But he did not uh, investigate the Bush administration. And when we have this two-tiered system of justice, where when you're a whistleblower and you go to the number two lawyer in the NSA and you go, hey, you know, these new programs might be violating the law. They might be the, violating the Constitution. He tells you to get lost. He puts the Department of Justice on you. You get investigated. You lose your job. You lose your house. You lose your wife. You lose your freedom because you go to jail. You get arrested. But if you are the president and you torture people, you have people killed. Uh, people who you don't know, people who you don't have identified, people who just happen to be holding a cell phone. The spy agency tells you that at one point was associated with terrorism. You will never see the inside of a courtroom. Instead, you'll see a book deal. Instead... You want to create a stunning website. I've already done it with Wix. Let me show you how it's done. I mean, I'm going I'm to need to put these. I can't see without them. Just go to Wix.com. There are loads of absurdly gorgeous templates to choose from. Guys, this could, this could take a while. First things first, I can change the text. OK, now for my favorite part. Right here, you can do whatever you want. No rules. I'm just, I'm just going to come out and say it. I look amazing here. I mean, I look, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. There's no end. It's me all the way down. <sighs> and you can see my Instagram feed on here. Look, someone had to save the day, guys. Pictures are nice, but you can show even more with the video. And if you've got a whole lot of videos, you can do this, you can move that, or even this. Check it out, guys. I don't think that looks half bad. You know what? It does all start with a stunning website. Go to Wix.com to create your stunning website today. So, uh, I come from the belly of the beast, uh, the cult-like world of secrecy that operates behind what we see as our elected government, uh, the belly of, of the beast. Um, I came out to expose this because I saw specifically in my case, the CIA engaged in unconstitutional and illegal activity outside of the Constitution, which for me is everything now. I saw them uh, violate international law with some of their operations and engage in some pretty serious human rights violations. Now, I don't know about you all, but I, as an American citizen, I did not vote for any of those things. And our elected government didn't vote for any of those things, but they're doing them. And I'll show you, I'll show you why. I hope tonight hope and pray that tonight this speech makes a difference what i'm about to show you and i hope tonight it starts kind of a social civil revolution when we stand up against this tyrannical system here 
that has stepped outside our Constitution and engaged in egregious things. It needs to be reformed, maybe even dismantled. If I can have a hand in that, then, then uh, thank God. I'm going to talk about the shadow government. Now, you hear a lot of talk out there about the deep state all over the place on news and talk shows. See, it's safe to talk about the deep state now because there's no real risk. It's gotten kind of popular. Some of us were talking about the secret government in 2012 when it was not popular, and it was a little tough. Everybody's talking about the deep state, but they're not. And there's some good folks out there talking about that, but they're not giving everybody the full picture. Because And they use the, the terms uh, deep state and shadow government as if they're one and the same. They are not one and the same. They are two different entities in a vast trillion-dollar matrix that is now controlling our elected government outside the Constitution behind Washington, D.C. I'm going to show you how they do it. we got a lot of stuff to cover. Forgive me, I'm going to have to roll through a lot of this. And I'm hoping by the end uh, some of your jaws may drop, but at least uh, you're going to see what's going on. All of you, because I talk to people all the time, know that this government is functioning secretly and doing things that it shouldn't. You've seen it. You know it in your gut. You sense it. Every single person I talk to, including in the dining room this morning, yeah, we all, something's not right here. Something's not right with our government. So let's get into this. I want to start by saying this because it is so important. We are, or at least were, a constitutional government. Were we not? Our government is founded on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, isn't it? Now, I want to remind people that the Constitution is not a nice, fluffy, philosophical document. It's not just a good piece of ideology. It is the law of the United States. It is the supreme law of the land, and it supersedes the entire rest of the U.S. criminal justice system. So, if a person, including the government, violates the Constitution, they have committed a felony. So let's just remember that. If the government violates the Constitution, they have committed a felony. So if they try to make the people look like the bad guys, we'll find out really it works the other direction. Remember, this. it is the Constitution. That is the reason I'm standing up here, because we no longer live in a constitutional government. We are serving under a post-constitutional government staffed by congressmen who are now statesmen. So let's move on. The shadow government and the deep state are not the same thing. You hear people say this, well, the deep state is after Donald Trump because they're holdovers from the Obama administration that are penetrators into, into the CIA and others. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a smokescreen. I'll show you that the shadow government is not leftover Obama people. It is a matrix system that has functioned across every single administration going back to JFK, Republican and Democrats alike. So the shadow government is a secret part of government. The CIA, the NSA, and I'll show you a host of other secret intelligence agencies that are part of the shadow government. It functions through the unbridled, unconstitutional power of secrecy. That's the shadow government. Beneath the shadow government is what you hear a lot of talk about. It's called the deep state. Now, the deep state is this massive, financial, multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar matrix that includes the military industrial complex. All of you probably have heard about. I'll shed a little bit more light on that. Uh, the deep state functions in the same matrix connected to the shadow government, but much of the time the shadow government rules the deep state through the power of secrecy, secrecy agreements, the state secrets privilege, and, and other things. So they are intimately connected in running our government behind the scenes. They manipulate our elected government behind the scenes. Now that is a dramatic statement. I think by the end of tonight I'm going to prove to you that it's going on. I saw it personally. There's a lot of things I can't talk about. I have to watch everything I say, honestly. Uh, 
For the last 15 years, they've just been waiting for me to make one mistake. I haven't made it yet. So let's talk about this, the shadow government and the deep state. Deep state is run by money, power, and greed. That's what runs the deep state. The shadow government, their fuel is fear and intimidation. Here's the, the shadow or secret government, the unconstitutional power of government secrecy. This, I'm going to show you the components of the secret government, many of them that fun, function outside the Constitution. The director of national intelligence has 17 intelligence agencies underneath him at this point. Uh, that, that process, 90 to... to uh, 90 to 100,000 bits of classified information a day, some of which should not be classified. You've got the Department of Homeland Security, secret agencies there. You've got the Department of State. Hillary Clinton ran guns in Benghazi secretly using Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Most people don't know that. She did it through the secret system. You've got the Defense Intelligence Agency that engaged in the torture program. Some people died. They also tried to, to uh, recruit American citizens to be informants within the United States. I mean, I, this, this is... Folks, this is an eight-hour lecture, so I'm going to have to pack some of this in there because there's just so much here. But anyway, you got the National Reconnaissance Office, National Reconnaissance Office that runs the satellite program, all the birds that are up there, and there is a bunch of them. You have the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, the big secret agency that worked with Google through a big con contract that and set up Google Earth. So Google worked with the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency through CIA Incutel to set up Google Earth. So you think it's only Google watching you? It's not. Sadly, Silicon Valley has been recruited by the shadow government. Let's move. JSOC, Joint Special Operations Command. Most people don't know about it, but this is the president's secret army. The president of the United States has his own secret army, special operators that, that he sends on presidential order into foreign countries in secret to engage in killings, overturning governments, and things that the American people don't know about. It's a secret force. Then you've got the FBI conducting warrantless searches, uh, national security letters where they come into your business and, and order your supervisor to turn over all of your financial records. And if he or she says anything about them being there, they put your supervisor in jail. Violation of the Fourth Amendment. Now, I'm going to talk specifically tonight because this is so vast about the two. I consider the two top tiers of what I call the shadow government or the secret government. The first of that is the National Security Agency. Heard a lot about them, haven't we? I'm working with William Binney, the NSA whistleblower who blew the whistle on, on uh, the NSA surveillance program, house raided by a SWAT team, a gun put to his head. Uh, we'll talk about the NSA a little bit. I'm going to focus on what I call the central node of the shadow government, an unconstitutional agency that used to be my life. And I was a senior managing, managing uh, a supervisor there in counterintelligence and other things I'll talk about later. It is this one right here. That is the node, the central node of the shadow government functions outside the Constitution through the power of secrecy and not even Congress knows everything that it's doing. Is there a constitutional problem with that? You better believe there is. I'll show you exactly how bad that is. The CIA was created through the Council on Foreign Relations, which started back in 1921. They, they were instrumental in creating the CIA. The CFR was. And back when the CFR created the CIA, they were tied directly into, guess who? The mainstream media. The owners of the Washington Post, the Grams, were members, ranking members of the Council on Foreign Relations. The CIA was feeding information directly into the Washington Post. Philip and Catherine Graham were publishing stories that the CIA had told them to study. Now, in the long, wonderful history of the Washington Post, who owns the Washington Post? Jeff Bezos of Amazon, what did he just do? 
He entered into a $6 million contract with, guess who? The CIA. So the circle continues. I could spend an hour on the mainstream media's connection to intelligence. Sadly, we don't have that time. But just understand that the, the CFR was instrumental in creating the CIA. They were directly connected to the mainstream media, and, uh, the Washington Post, New York Times, CBS, and others that were feeding information directly to the CIA to be published to alter the opinions of the American people. Okay, we'll just leave that there for now. The deep state, let's talk about what makes up the deep state. Underneath, if you can see, I put the deep state underneath the shadow government because the shadow government is the, this powerful monolith outside the Constitution. Much of the deep state, the military-industrial complex, is not violating the Constitution, but they are controlling our elected officials. Okay, so there's a little bit of difference, but they, they are connected uh, pretty intimately. In that, you've got the military-industrial complex. Everybody's heard about that probably. What you haven't heard is Eisenhower originally called it the military-industrial-congressional complex, because Congress is tied in so deeply with the military-industrial complex and the deep state that they manipulate what the congressmen and senators do and how they vote, and I will prove that tonight. So Congress is just as tied into the military-industrial complex as Lockheed Martin, uh, General Dynamics, and the others are. Who is the main representative in our government of the people? Congress, right? If they own Congress, we, know, we don't have a vote or a voice anymore, and that's the idea. All right, let's go through some of them. They own the intelligence contractors, the defense contractors. We're talking billions of dollars here in revenue that comes from your taxes. The military-industrial complex, about $4.8 million a year is spent by military-industrial com complex uh, the lobbyists to influence con Congress and put money into their PACs, leadership PACs, re-election campaigns, and others to the tune of 4 or $5 million a year. Huge impact on Congress. There's foreign lobbyists. Saudi Arabia and Israel might as well have a congressional slot on Capitol Hill. They are, they are so influential on our government that they actually have a serious impact on, on political decisions in Washington. You've got the Federal Reserve, the secret bank, the secret bank that just gave out a couple trillion dollars to some unknown corporations in the military industrial complex that they won't tell anybody about because their deliberations are a secret. With whose money? With our money. So the Federal Reserve is tied in, in with this. The, uh, we've got Wall Street. Wall Street funds all of this, the military-industrial complex. Wall Street is so plugged in to the military-industrial complex and the shadow government. It was Wall Street attorneys that formed the CIA. Wall Street has been in the shadow government and the deep state going back to 1947. So they're a part of the deep state. You've got the central banks connected to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is connected to the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank because the CFR's stated goal was eventually and still is an economic global government. And they're merging through special drawing rights into digital currency eventually. And, and that's uh, where that started. Wall Street is so connected with the Department of Treasury in business with all of this, they might as well just be business partners in a, in a financial conglomerate. Our government and Wall Street are almost one and the same in the deep state. Trillions and trillions of dollars. All right, it is the system behind government. You can see that I made that S a dollar sign because the fuel of this system is money. And to get that money, they have to keep us in a state of perpetual war. Anybody seen that going on? More on that later. All right, let's move. Secrecy inside the United States. The Central Intelligence Agency and its contractors are supposed to have an overseas mission only, right? Collecting and spying on foreign governments. They're not supposed to have a mission or function inside the United States. However, William Arkin and Dana Priest did an incredible piece of journalism and dug some of this up. 
there are 10 after 9-11, spend an hour on that. Uh, <laughs> after 9-11, there are now 10,000 secret sites within the United States under the shadow of government. 10,000 sites inside the United States. 1,271 government agencies, secret agencies now involved in secrecy inside the United States. 1,931 large private corporations like Lockheed Martin are now involved in the secret government, the NSA and the CIA inside the United States. 4,800,000 Americans that we know of, and probably half, uh, probably, that's probably just half the figure, have U.S. government security clearances. And they've signed a secrecy agreement. I'll explain what that means in a little bit. 854,000 they found have top secret clearances. Far more than that. Hundreds of thousands of military industrial complex employees from secretaries to people in the mailroom to CEOs have all signed NSA or CIA secrecy agreements and they are now bound from saying anything about anything they see, even if it's illegal or unconstitutional. There is a system of personal destruction uh, that will ruin them if they even insinuate they're gonna say anything. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Each one signs a secrecy agreement. If they blow the whistle, I'm speaking from personal experience, <clears throat> excuse me, if they blow the whistle, the government has the power <clears throat> to institute what's called a state secrets privilege and shut their case down, seal it in court, and throw them in prison if they talk to anybody about their case, classified or not. Seen a case just like that. They had that kind of power. You blow the whistle in the CIA, after, after a system of personal destruction, they will slap the state secrets privilege on you, and if you talk to your wife or your attorney, they will put you in prison. Here we go, the military-industrial complex, or the military-industrial-congressional complex. This is an example of its power, control, and manipulation of the U.S. Congress, our representatives, the voice of the people. In the center of this, you have the Congressional Armed Services Committee. These are the people, 48 senior, senior members, congressmen and senators, get together. Forty-eight senior, senior members, congressmen and senators get together under the Defense Authorization Act and decide how much, how much trillions of dollars they're going to spend on military industrial, on the military and on intelligence. It is the deliberations that you, as you would imagine, are done in secret. Nobody knows uh, how much money they're going to sign to that. But I want you to look at this. These 48 senior members of the Armed Services Committee are under the influence of the five biggest military industrial contractors. Lockheed Martin, did you know? Lockheed Martin is the chief surveillance information processor for the CIA, the NSA, and the FBI. Did you know that? Did you know that Lockheed Martin has created a program that tracks every contact that every American has with the IRS? Your phone calls, your emails, the payments that you're making, all run through Lockheed Martin, which is the equivalent almost of a private second government. It is so big. It is funded so heavily, we figured out the average household in America has what could be called a Lockheed Martin tax. $260 comes out of each one of our pocket every year to pay this company, basically to spy on us through the NSA and the CIA, to track our IRS actions. They even track our packages coming through the U.S. Postal Service, and they develop the biometric programs that the government is using to track Americans. Good old Lockheed Martin. Not to mention the uh, ballistic missiles that they, they make to sell to uh, foreign governments. But we'll just leave that one aside for now. Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, Boeing, 
Booz Allen and Hamlin, the big dog on the block. You don't hear much about Booz Allen Hamilton except for Edward Snowden. Booz Allen Hamilton for 30 years has been the second arm of the CIA. So much so they helped set up the intelligence system for the government of Egypt. Booz Allen Hamilton did. And that's, of course, who Snowden were for. Now, I want you to see this. 48 senior members influenced by these massive corporations, right? One trillion dollars in annual tax revenue spending for the military industrial complex that comes out of our pockets. Forty six billion dollars of that is in foreign arms sales. Guess who the biggest arms dealer in the world is? Us. Guess who supplies weapons, bullets, tanks and missiles to foreign governments more than anyone else in the world? Us. Sadly, I can tell you, it ain't the Russians. <laughs> why, do you think they're, why do you think they're pushing the Russian story so hard? It's called a diversion, right? A smokescreen. Now, I want you to see Lockheed, Northrop, Booz, Raytheon, and the rest. This is how much they contribute into these congressmen and senators' re-election campaigns and leadership packs in a year. $700,000 they contribute